Well, hello from the Bahamas. Derek Sharp here, specifically from the Royal Atlantis Hotel. Seventh floor overlooking, uh, oh, there's the water. It's nice out there, yeah. Here's to be the Atlantic Ocean. We've got a nice, well, I'll quit talking about my setup here. Actually, we are here doing work, believe it or not. Haven't been goofing around. That'll probably be between trips as the Bulls are playing three games. We'll tell you about game one and set up the whole situation. Again, tomorrow they'll be playing the Syracuse Orange. We'll be on the air at 2.15 on Bulls Unlimited 2. And three games here in the Atlantis before a three-day break in between games and then going over to the Bahamar about 20 minutes away and playing against Stanford. Yeah, those three games in between with a holiday. I can go ahead and tell you right now we will not be having a daily show of Bulls Beat, but we'll definitely still be working. In fact, I'm working right now after this show. I'm putting together the football broadcast for tomorrow. The guys will be on the air. You'll hear my voice. It'll be like from afar, plenty on the pregame show. But then it'll be, of course, the play-by-play crew of Jim Lauck, Joy Johnston, Sam Barrington, along with Jim Lighthall on the air at 10 a.m. Saturday. For the Bulls and Tulane, you're going to hear from both head coaches. In this segment, you'll hear from both coordinators of USF, specifically on the opponent. And in our second segment, we'll preview the basketball games, not only here, but of course tonight at Amelie Arena. The Bulls will be playing on their home court. If you didn't see that, they actually packed up their home court from the Yingling Center, and that will be on the floor at Amelie. And we will be on the air with Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston starting at 6.30 for that one. Joey is going to be a busy guy this weekend. Well, so is Jim for that matter. Joey is going to be hopping a plane first thing on Saturday morning. So you might not hear him for the first hour, hour and a half of the pregame. But once that thing kicks off, he'll be there on the sideline. So in our second segment, we'll preview both basketball games. While reminding you also, it's your last chance to catch the volleyball team at home this weekend. We'll give you the details on that. So... The Bulls' opponent has had a rough year. Started off pretty good. They put up a 69-point effort in their first game, and then they gave Oklahoma a battle before faltering 1-9. and nine. If you look at it, their defense has given up 40 or more points five of their 10 games, two lanes 1-9. and nine. But lately, the defense has been playing a lot better. In fact, the Cincinnati game was just 14-12, Bearcats at halftime. And Tulane's offense didn't score again. It really wasn't their defense's fault. Then they go to UCF and lose a tight one, 14-10, that frankly, they should have won. They had the ball late, couldn't get that last first down, and UCF got the touchdown at the end. Then last weekend against Tulsa, again, the offense was really somnambulant for most of the game, but all of a sudden scored 10 late points and had a chance to win it after they of course, recovered an onside kick. They've recovered for this season. Uh, early this season, they lost to UAB at home 28-21, but they had scored a touchdown with about two minutes to go and recovered the onside kick. You probably know they did the same thing against Oklahoma after being down big, giving up 23 unanswered points. They were down three scores and still had it within five, recovered an onside kick and d- couldn't do anything with it. Well, last week, they recovered an onside kick and actually had a chance to win it late in regulation. After being down 13-3 to midway through the fourth quarter, they had a chance at 13-10 to to win it in regulation, but settled for a short field goal. And amazingly enough, got the ball back on an interception and were ready to win it in regulation and missed a 26-yard field goal. So my buddy Corey Glore is the play-by-play man for Tulane. He does interviews for his purposes with the head coach Willie Fritz and was kind enough to share the entire interview. Here's just a couple minutes of it on that rough loss. First of all, how you doing? My friend says, how, how you doing, Coach? 
uh, you know, hey, I'm doing fine. You know, uh, a lot of people in a lot worse situations than me. You know, obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're disappointed. You know, and, and uh, it was a that was a tough, tough loss. Uh, feel sorry for the for the guys and staff and everybody's worked so darn hard. Uh, but you know, it's unfortunately it's part of life, and you know we got to try to face this adversity in a positive manner. It's I think finding the balance of what that game was, wasn't it? Where for about three hours of that, been asked right then, hey, we're going to go to overtime. You would have taken it, but then get to overtime, and it just felt like such a punch. It was such a, a crazy swing in the last three minutes of that game that it, it's still, even a few days after, it's almost hard to wrap your head around stuff. Yeah, it was uh, would have been a, a fantastic comeback, remember, but it, it just didn't happen. And, and it wasn't one particular thing. There was, you know, five, six, seven plays, you know, drop balls, incompleted passes, and penalties, uh, both offensively and defensively. Uh, you know, a lot of things, you know, and, and uh, you know, getting out of your gap in specific situations. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff, you know, that, that occurred that, uh, you know, you just never know when that play's going to happen. It's not, it's not the last one, and it's not the first one. It's all of them. You know they're in a tough stretch when the first question is, how are you doing, Coach? But, yeah, I, I can understand when you look at their last couple of losses. You'll hear more of Coach Fritz in the first hour of the pregame show towards the end of it in our The Other Guys segment. As far as their guys more specifically on offense, here's the Bulls defensive coordinator Glenn Spencer. Michael Pratt out of Deerfield Beach started off as a true freshman last year but hasn't had quite the carryover this year, but it sounds like it's more to do with the offensive line. Here's the Bulls defensive coordinator on Tulane's offense as a whole. Had a quarterback first year, very, very hot. The ball down for a little bit. They had some protection issues, you know. Um, What might be why they changed the throwing philosophy a little bit. Talented running backs, 20 and 22, really can create a play. They, they do a great job of bouncing it out. And we had a couple issues last week defending the sideline, some of those cracks, and replacing him. So I'm sure, you know, they're on that tape. They're going to try to run the ball. You know, they'll, uh, they, they, they think that's their strength for sure. But quarterback's talented. You know, they got a tens of receiver that can kind of take the top off. Um, they got number two is a go-to guy. Leading receivers the tight end. So we'll probably see more uh, more tight end uh, passing game than we've seen all year. Just a big body that can, can kind of shield you out. So, I, you know, obviously they want to be balanced, but they do a good job of pour, pulling linemen and trying to you know, get some gap schemes on and get you outnumbered. You mentioned number 10, the guy that can take the top off the defense. His name is Shea White, has 24 catches, 240 yards. Tyrick James is their leading receiver, the tight end, 27 catches for 380 yards. But if you look at the last four games specifically, only against UCF did he have more than one catch and more than eight yards. In fact, a goose egg against Tulsa and against UCF, those three catches went for 22 yards. So they will indeed try and run the ball, and they do have a couple guys right around 500 yards rushing. Ty J. Spears is the one to remember because he's gotten the bulk of his yards in the last five games, 437 of his 510. In fact, he was pretty good last year, so Ty J. Spears is probably the guy to be most concerned with if you're the Bulls on Tulane's offense. That's my opinion. Here's one more from Glenn Spencer, specifically on the quarterback, Michael Pratt. Uh, really live arm. You know, it takes so tough. You go back to some previous games against SMU and Tulsa, he's getting hit, he's scrambling twice against 
you know, SMU, he goes down the slide after getting the first down and they, you know, it was a penalty, obvious penalty. I'm surprised he got up after one of them. <laughs> so I respect him a lot for his, uh, you know, just his toughness. Uh, he's not coming out. He's not tapping out. Uh, his uh, high school teammates, Chris Townsville over there. So uh, Chris said the same thing about him. Um, quick release, you know, you'll see that. He knows where to go with the ball. The ball comes out. And some issues they've had is protection-wise. Um, with you know, Tulsa with a three down front, those three guys they have, they were getting pressure with three and being able to drop eight. So, you know, they had the advantage you know, all day long. But he throws a good back shoulder ball too. You know, so receivers blowing off line of scrimmage and you know, his timing's really good. Puts on the back shoulder. The receiver turns at the last minute. Uh, very tough pass to cover. When they've been on time with that, that's been very dangerous. Toughness, leadership. Very, very strong arm that can, can rifle it in there and some of those deep digs. Again, the last three games respectable against Cincinnati held UCF to its lowest yards all year and turned over Tulsa four times. Earlier in the year, they did cough up 61 at Ole Miss, lost 52-29 to at ECU, which racked up more than 600 yards, and got shelled at SMU 55-26. But after that SMU game, the last three games have been a lot better, and it sounds like they've changed things up, according to Charlie Weiss. Yeah, I see Tulane has made kind of a, a little bit of emphasis, played more man coverage the last couple of weeks against UCF and, uh, and uh, who is it, Tulsa. So... Um, I think that change has been really good for them. It looks like they kind of simplified things. They played a little bit more cover three earlier in the year, and uh, the more man that they've played uh, later on has paid off for them. I think you see a defense that plays really hard. I think they've got some confidence right now, a lot of confidence uh, after those last two games, holding uh, UCF to 14 and Tulsa really at 13 in regulation. Uh, and so I see a team that plays really hard. They play man coverage on corner. They're going to get in your face and press you, and you're going to have to go win. And then up front, they're going to get an extra hat in the box. Uh, to try to take away the run. See if Jimmy Horn and Xavier Weaver are licking their chops on that whole situation. It'll be a fun one, I have a feeling. A little bit more from Jeff Scott from earlier in the week. We were holding on to these comments pertaining to Tulane for today's show. Here they are. I remember watching them the first game of the year against Oklahoma, sitting there going, well, it's going to be a pretty good year for this league. Uh, Tulane's over here about to upset the number two team in the country, I think, at the time. Uh, but he, he's done a really good job, and I think recruiting-wise, as we're out evaluating, they've done a good job in Florida as well. So, you know, I got a lot of respect. Coach Coach, been doing it for a while, and um, I know, you know, this year and the year that they – They've wanted exactly from a record standpoint, but what he's done there, I think, I think maybe last year they had like the best three-year run that they've had in a long, long time. So, I definitely have a lot of respect. They, um, they don't lose games uh, for for penalties or being undisciplined. They're, they're very well coached. Uh, they've just kind of had some kind of like us, some some weird things happen, and maybe hadn't got some of the breaks in some of those situations. Uh, but they're they're definitely a a team that's much better. And that was my first message to our players is, hey, don't don't buy the lie. Just like we all feel that we're a better team than our record states, I can promise you uh, this team right here was very close to knocking off Central Florida and Tulsa the last two weeks. So uh, it's going to take everything that we have and, and great focus. And, again, at the end of the day, what we're trying to develop is a mindset that doesn't matter if you're playing Cincinnati or, you know, somebody, some middle school team. It's the same mental approach and same focus each and every week. That, that shouldn't change. And so uh, hopefully our, our guys are buying into that. And here's another good one from the press conference that I certainly wanted to play because I think it speaks to everything right now. And it's clear when I'm around the football team and around campus that this isn't just talk and you would easily foresee a different situation with players 
who are looking to check out, looking to transfer, as we talked about earlier in the week. A lot of players coming back. Now, if you missed it, Bryce Miller has entered the transfer portal reportedly, but you know his usage has gone down a little bit. A lot of the team is returning, a lot of key players, and I love what Coach Scott had to say about that whole thing. It is kind of a it's kind of a weird feeling right now, and the fact that our guys are more confident in what we're doing and what they're doing, and you know just how we do things. There's an energy, and there's there's not an acceptance of, of losing games as okay. That's never uh, going to be okay. But it's also how you how you continue to go that shows the true progress. Um, you know, last year at this time. We had a lot of guys that didn't want to practice on Tuesdays at the end of the year. And now these guys want to, and they see it and they feel it. And, um, you know, I think the, the confidence that Michael Kelly, uh, President Law, Will Weatherford, Mike Griffin, our board, the confidence that they have in, in myself and our staff and what we're doing right now, I think it definitely gives myself and our staff and our players confidence that, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, we talked about this, a tough situation. And it, it takes time to kind of get there. I, I thought it may be a little bit earlier than it has been. Um, but you go through it and you kind of figure it out. But I think it's um, when you're still building, it's how you play that's important and consistency and not having a bunch of penalties and not doing the things that really cost you games, of lack of discipline, lack of focus. Um, but to be honest, I, I don't think our players even have thought about any of that. I think that they're encouraged that we are improving. They feel optimistic of the, the opportunities we had the last two weeks, and they feel very optimistic about next year. And I think a lot of that was a lot of those kids wanting to come back. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a challenging year all over. And I, I think one thing that's probably not talked a, a lot about is you know coming off of a, a COVID year last year. That's just a weird setup. And then you got a lot of some teams that had more seniors last year. Like if you were a team that had 25 seniors last year. Then and, and you had the, the COVID waiver, you may be able to have 20 guys. So you may have 100. And there's teams out there with 105 scholarship players right now. And you could have been a team last year that only had eight seniors and six of them came back. And so you're playing with, you know, 91 scholarships. So nobody really talks about that. It's not even worth looking into. But I think that's why you're seeing a lot of kind of weird records and weird things that are going on. Um, and so for us, again, our goal is to get ourselves to be a sustainable uh, a program that can uh, championship program that can have sustainable success, and the only way that you get there is have a level of consistency overall. We haven't had it in the games for four quarters like we need to, but I do feel like we've had it since that open week. We've been trending the right the right way. And let's see if it results in a win tomorrow, and then set up for the finale against UCF. Now we're not quite done with the USF two lane preview because we have to bring back up if you forgot. The whole mascot situation. The cameras, hopefully, on ESPN Plus, and of course, our radio broadcast team will keep an eye out for this, especially Joey Johnston, that is. Keep an eye on the two-lane mascot. Now, honestly, I haven't done enough mascot research currently. I don't know if they actually have the angry green wave as their mascot. I know it's their logo, or if they have that weird bird thing, but either way, remember when Bobby Bowden had passed away, and of course, Jeff Scott's dad, Brad, had spent all this time as an assistant to Bobby Bowden, so as a youngster, he had an experience. Now, this is from the press conference after Coach Bowden died, and you'll notice that at the beginning, Coach Scott, Jeff, that is, doesn't mention the opponent. He knew it was Tulane. The ending part brings that home, but this is worth following up on, and we will in a second. All the coaches' kids, whenever you uh, turn seven years old, you can be on the sidelines. And we had a lot of uh, coaches' kids at that time. 
And uh, so we were playing an opponent, and it was one of these 70 to three type deals. So in the second half, me and uh, about four or five of the other coaches' kids, uh, we snuck around the sideline to the, you know, because the game's, you know, out of hand, fourth quarter. We snuck around the sideline to the other team's sideline, and we tackled their mascot. And like all the fans, you know, are cheering, and we're kind of like, you know, beating up the mascot, and they're cheering. And we just thought that was a lot of fun. So the next Wednesday, four days later, we, you always had Wednesday night was family night meals. So the coaches, the families come up there and have uh, dinner in the dining hall right there with all the players and all the coaches. And uh, so we'd always do that. And we're sitting there and uh, across the loudspeaker, I think it was Miss Sue Hall, who was Coach Bowden's secretary. She came on and said, uh, would all the coaches, uh, kids that were on the sideline this past Saturday, please come up to Coach Bowden's office right now. And all the players were kind of like, ooh, you know, we all get up, you know, and kind of looking at our parents like we don't know. And, uh, we get up there, and <laughs> Coach Bowden's uh, sitting at his uh, desk and turns around, and he's like, all right, here's the deal, you know. And uh, he said, if y'all going to be on the sidelines, y'all got to behave. You know, I, we can't have y'all beating up the mascot, and I got all these people writing letters and all this stuff, and, you know, y'all can be down there and have fun, but y'all don't need to be beating up the mascot. Y'all understand we're, all, we're scared to death, you know, we're like we're about to cry, you know, in there. And uh, he's like, all right, well, y'all are good. <laughs> it, it, it was Tulane, uh, yes. Uh, it was the it was the Tulane. Uh, there you go. All right, 73-14. We we beat up the Tulane mascot. Hopefully they won't uh, hold that against me uh, later on this fall. Maybe that's why I left that out. But thank you, Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times, back then making sure to let everybody know it was Tulane. So of course our own Joey Johnston this week remembered that, and so did Coach Scott, and perhaps so will Tulane. This is your first meeting with the. Mascot since oh yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. I'm gonna have to uh, have, have my I have my dad standing behind me the whole game. You know, keep keep a watch over my back. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, hopefully, uh, actually, their after I talked about that, uh, Troy Dan and their AD is a really good guy, and he's uh, on a lot of these committees with our conference. And so uh, after I talked about that, I don't know if that was the beginning of the year or something. Uh, he sent me a text and said, hey, we heard you talking about our mascot. We need to be ready. Uh, so, yeah, I'll definitely uh, keep a look out there. Certainly a side story worth reporting on, and I'm sure Joey will. That is something that won't pass him by on the broadcast, which begins at 10 o'clock tomorrow.